Jello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. I'm joined with my friend Jim and my friend Matt. Bob could not make it this week. Uh, they have a birthday that he's attending and things, so that's all fine and dandy. And uh, we are talking In Search Of. And this In Search Of episode, I think, is the fifth episode. And it is the episode that is on earthquakes. Oh, no, the sixth. I think it's the sixth episode. It's on earthquakes. And... Uh, oh, wait. Yes. Yeah. Mom, mom, I'm I'm recording. Mom, I can't come up now for breakfast. No, I'm recording, mom. Oh, oh. okay, I'm fine now. Okay, I'm good. Sorry, I, mean, I heard that. Jamie, Jamie Cove says it's time for breakfast. Jamie, Jamie, it's time for breakfast. That's uh, yeah. This is. I mean, you live in her basement, and and she <laughs> she just uh, thinks that you have to come up and eat the breakfast she makes for you all the time without you know any consideration of what you have to do with your life. Or English muffins are, uh, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. Crumpets and tea. Anyway, sorry to disrupt your thing there. That's all good. So anyway, this earthquake episode of In Search Of, uh, let's go with Matt. Matt, what did you think of the episode overall? And uh, go from there. Uh, you know, it was kind of off-brand for most of the show for In Search Of. There was, uh, it, it was pretty solidly grounded in hard scientific fact and, and historical you know review of you know this is the destruction caused by earthquakes and I, I did like the uh the film footage the hollywood film footage they showed uh that captured the moment when i think it was wc fields yes and his crew realized that oh we're having an earthquake we should probably you know stop filming and Stand in a doorway or something. Uh, that was that was kind of cool seeing it actually in their their reaction. I agree, and and seeing WC Field because uh, I'm, uh, I, I don't, he's on a lot of radio shows I listen to and things. WC Field, and I've never seen him like all of a sudden serious. And to see him go from uh, being in a joking scene to saying, uh, sort of, we're all going to be okay. Everybody just move away and and you know kind of taking control a little bit and telling people what to do. It was kind of, kind of a cool uh, scene to see that and to see him and turn to uh, it just in seconds, turn from comedian to serious. Uh, and so, yeah, I thought that was one of the most, to me, the most interesting part just cause I'm, I like, I like to listen to WC fields sometimes. So um, uh, Jim, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, like like Matt said, it definitely was the the one that was grounded the most in real science. It wasn't as uh, sensational as as some of the other ones, you know. I mean, like the killer bees one last week that was you know kind of grounded in science somewhat that those bees and how they got here and they got released and how they're moving and stuff. But but it was a little more no, we got to worry about the killer bees are going to kill us and and stuff. I I found this one kind of interesting too. Uh, you know, because they were talking about, oh, what's what's going to happen if San Francisco is going to get the, the big quake, you know, and they're talking about, it's like, well, these elevated roads are going to collapse and crush cars and all this. Other. So, I mean, they got some of that stuff right when they had the big earthquake in, in uh, uh, San Francisco a few decades ago now, I guess. But um, now wasn't quite as bad as this, they were making out it, it would be, but I don't know. But one of those overpasses did fall during that earthquake. Oh, right? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that collapsed and stuff, I and mean, that's what they they were worried about in Seattle as well when they had the viaduct down there that was the elevated roadway that you know got 
got the earthquake we were supposed to get that that would collapse and, and stuff. But uh, I guess that's kind of an easy one to guess. You know, everybody can look at that and go, well, if there was an earthquake, I wouldn't want to be there. Yes. <laughs> kind of thing, you know, so. My, so my wife literally said that every time we drove past the uh, viaduct in Seattle. Yes. Yeah. So, so that was kind of an easy one, I guess, to, to guess, you know, if you get a major earthquake, that's not going to be the place you want to be. But um, now they say that people say the tunnel, they don't want to be in the tunnel because the tunnel will flood, they'll drown in the tunnel, who knows. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it was an interesting, interesting one. I, I, I liked it more because it, it had more science to it and it was more fact-based. You know, I like watching history shows and science shows and things. And so it wasn't as this kind of weird science fiction, you know, uh, type of thing you know like for me yeah, and it, things. For, for me what i i mean what i remember what i love about in search of was the weird stuff um so for me this episode was saved in the last five minutes or so because they do get into the wild ass conjecture because they found a couple of and you can't see me doing air quotes because i don't have my camera on they found some scientists to talk about that, that projected the possibility that in 1986, when the planets all aligned for the first time in 200 years, that the uh, gravitational uh, the effect of that, the cumulative gravitational effect of the planets lining up would shift tectonic plates and, and it sounded like, you know, nearly destroy the Earth. So they did get back into their wheelhouse of, you know, wild conjecture pseudo-scientific kind of speculation so I, I did appreciate the ending well it's been unfortunate with the whole covid thing the fact that we were just recovering from that 1986 massive worldwide earthquake uh mm. and then we hit covid but uh yeah it's it's too bad uh yeah. no uh, apparently that didn't happen so <laughs> oh spoiler alert spoiler alert Spoiler alert, didn't happen. <laughs> didn't happen. But, but yeah, that's why I think it's so interesting watching these shows from 1977 because it's like they predict things and you're like, oh, did it really happen or did it not happen? Um, some things I, I do believe saying, they will predict like for 2050 and that sort of thing. So we still don't know whether those things are going to happen. But, but I, I was impressed are, last week with their prediction about the bees, though, how, how accurate they were as far as like when they actually got to the united states correct because they, they were in 1990 and they actually got to the united states in 1990 they just weren't as um it, it, it wasn't the event that it was you know portrayed as like oh my gosh these horrible killer bees are coming i mean they got here but they were you know and, and they really not, haven't they, they haven't really expanded from from uh kind of texas and and, and that that type yeah. of area which I don't know if it's because of the colder weather or, or, or what exactly, but yeah, yeah, that's good. But yeah, it's it's interesting because sometimes like that, they're they're pretty, they've been pretty right on with some things, and most of the time they're just <laughs> wild. Well, that was that was kind so of their hard science. The that was their hard science part of the uh, of yeah. the show. The you know swarms are going to be going around killing everybody. It was the the conjecture part of it. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, anyway, uh, I think this is a definitely a worthwhile episode to watch, if if just for the W.C. Fields piece and the part at the end where they're uh, predicting the future and things. But 
but I, it was it was interesting watching. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was interesting too. I mean, to see some of the old footage from you know nineteen oh six in San Francisco and stuff when they had a big earthquake there, and 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 you know to see just the total amount of damage that can come from from earthquakes and how powerful they really are to to change everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it and they had the one part that was. Uh, filmed from folks on a ship or something and it just made you feel like oh yeah i didn't really think about that but you don't really want to be on a ship in an earthquake either so yeah, yeah that was that was up in alaska i think yeah. uh, you know and that was that was very similar to uh, some of the stuff that happened um with the tsunami and stuff that they had over uh, in the indian ocean uh, with with uh hitting thailand the, the tsunami hitting thailand or the tsunami uh, hitting Indonesia and stuff. I was actually over there at the time and had to, um, was doing work over there and had to go down to Indonesia the day after they had the the tsunami because I had a person working for me there whose family was in the area where where they got devastated from that. And so his his sister and her family were never found. Wow. Um, he, he flew in and he took pictures as he flew into the area and it was just completely devastated. You, you see outlines of foundations where houses used to be. He took all sorts of pictures. It, it was kind of kind of gruesome because it would take pictures that uh, there would be piles of debris with just like a, an arm sticking up out of this pile of debris from some person that's just buried in the, in the debris. Wow. Uh, other places uh, where they would take the dead people and they would they would just stack the dead people up and it would look like a stack of firewood. I mean, just, just, you know, people like 10 people deep in a, in, a, in a row, you know, 30, 40 feet long of just people just stacked on top of each other like like, like wood. Kind of like the uh, Holocaust or something. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, uh, the, the pictures were very moving to see just the mm-hmm. amount of damage. And, and, you know, you have pictures of boats that were, you know, inland, you know, giant boats that were inland miles from the shore and stuff and yeah it was they said i think it was the wave was something like 300 feet tall or something in parts there where i mean it was just a massive from from the earthquake yeah so yeah yeah, that was that was interesting times now now when earthquake happens and then uh, a tsunami happens um is it like immediately or is it like 20 minutes later, or how, how does that work, do you know? Well, the tsunami starts building from wherever the earthquake was. Yeah. And so in this case, it was out in the ocean. And so it takes time for that energy to work its way through the water. And at, when it's out in deep water, you got that energy out there and it's it's not as, it doesn't create as big of waves and that type of thing. Um, but as you get closer and closer and the water gets shallower and shallower, that energy is in a much smaller area. And so then you get these these big, huge waves. and. That's why if you see the water get sucked out, start running because <laughs> pretty soon yeah. the giant wave is going to become from it because it pulls all the water to it. Wow. Um, yeah, so it, it uh, yeah, tsunamis are nasty stuff. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I, I went to, uh, about a year later, I went to, well, actually, no, it was the year before I went to PP Island, which was in Thailand, uh, where the tsunami washed over the whole island. 
because it's kind of like these two islands that are kind of connected in the middle with a really low area, completely washed over there, killed a lot of people through there as well. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it's interesting. Yeah, and they're going to have, um, in search of episodes, I'm not sure how quickly coming up, but there's definitely ones on t- tsunamis and how they work and all that, which would be interesting. And you could give us more insight personally on that one, which is cool too. So. They, they were probably uh, done by aliens and and the, py- <laughs> the pyramids or something. If in search of just doing them, it'll, they'll yeah. somehow throw it into aliens. Well, or- it'll, be, it'll be one of those things where they go through the whole episode and realize, okay, this is too spot on. This is not uh, our wheelhouse. So we'll bring in the crazy people at the end again to talk about how the aliens started it. So. Uh, yeah, it's actually if you're in a, if you're in a if you see a tsunami coming or there's a big earthquake and you're in a boat, it's actually best to head out to sea. Ah. And so you head out to sea because you're getting into deeper water. And right. So if deeper water, then you can go out a ways, and you might just have like a big kind of just wave that you go you go up and over kind of thing. Right. Um, but but you won't if you were in closer to shore. You know, it'd be like a thirty foot tidal wave coming at you. But, yeah. Tell that to the people on the Poseidon adventure. Uh, (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Which, as we know, completely grounded in in reality. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We had that documentary back in the 70s. It was called uh, Earthquake or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Towering Inferno. Uh, Anyway, Matt, do you have anything else to add on this episode? um, I do not. I think I, I... I think I'm good. I think, and, and Jim, I think you were the winner with the interesting tidbits that you threw in there. That's great. So uh, we will see you folks next time. Enjoy this episode. Kind of different episode, but still very enjoyable episode of In Search Up. And uh, have a great week. In 1964, two crewmen aboard an Alaskan freighter captured on film the eruption of a giant earthquake. While taking shots of the dock below, it struck. As the earth trembled, the harbor was sucked dry. Chasm opened beside the ship. A huge tidal wave smashed in. Much of Alaska was shaken apart. are nature's most frightening events. For when the earth is at war with itself, there is no place to hide. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. Since man first walked this planet, earthquakes have inspired both terror and awe. Ancient Greeks believed that earthquakes were caused by the dead fighting among themselves. Japanese folklore tells us that earthquakes result from the movements of a great spider which carries the earth on its back. 
Today, we accept more scientific explanations. Yet, giant tremors can still strike suddenly and without warning. On April 18, 1906, an earthquake shattered San Francisco. It was caused by a huge rupture in the fault line that runs below the city. A Hollywood film recreated that disaster. A pioneer news cameraman recorded the aftermath of the earthquake. The quake and resulting fires destroyed 28,000 buildings. Over 150,000 people were left homeless. 450 died. Slowly, the dazed city pulled itself together to begin the awesome task of rebuilding. Today, the legacy of 1906 still haunts this beautiful city. Like the restless clouds of a gathering storm, the earth itself is alive and ever-changing. Stirring deep inside are dynamic forces of immeasurable strength. Science has learned only recently that the Earth's crust is divided into a dozen gigantic blocks or plates. Most of the world's earthquakes strike along the seams of these plates. Together they form a huge mosaic on the Earth's surface. Nearly all of North America, plus a large part of the Atlantic Ocean, make up a block called the North American Plate. The volcanically active floor of the Pacific Ocean, from Japan to California, is another giant slab known as the North Pacific Plate. About 80 miles thick, each plate is under constant pressure to move. Driven by enormous forces that we know very little about, they float like rafts on the Earth's soft mantle. Yet they do not float freely. Where they touch, there is constant strain and pressure. Each plate struggles to push, bump, and drive past the other. Cutting through California like a giant scar is a major fracture in the Earth's crust. It is known as the San Andreas Fault. At about the speed that fingernails grow, each plate is grinding against the other in opposite directions. Over thousands of years, the fault's slow movement has displaced the course of riverbeds. In the city of Hollister in central California, the earth on either side of the San Andreas Fault moves freely and relatively quickly. Curbstones and sidewalks throughout the city are warped and displaced by the gradual slippage along the fault. The continuous movement of the ground leaves fences bent and twisted. At a nearby winery, solid block concrete walls are creeping away from their supports. It is dramatic evidence of an active fault. In Southern California, near Los Angeles, the San Andreas Fault looks like a rocky ravine. For the last hundred years, this section of the fault has been locked in place. Eventually, it must catch up with the movement of other sections. 
When rock resists a constant pressure to move, it bends and distorts until finally it fractures. That is an earthquake. Friday, March 10th, 1933. Hollywood's film studios are bustling with activity. On a soundstage at Paramount Studios, W.C. Fields has just begun a scene. Your family saved my life. Now what can I do for you? Take us to Shanghai. Shanghai? Yeah. heavily shaken, but the earthquake's power is centered in the city of Long Beach, 40 miles away. One hundred fifteen people were killed, thousands injured. The toll would have been even worse if the quake had occurred two hours earlier while the schools were still in session. The city's schools took the heaviest damage of any class of building. Most of the buildings still standing had to be demolished. Though its effect was devastating, the tremor that jolted Long Beach was only of moderate power. Computer technology is now being used to help record and analyze changes in the earth. Much of the San Andreas Fault is now under close surveillance. It is bugged with a network of ultra-sensitive instruments. Each detects subtle movements and changes in magnetic fields which might precede a quake. Dr. Peter Ward is chief of the Mechanics and Prediction Branch of the National Center for Earthquake Research in Menlo Park, California. We know that stress is building in California, and we know that stress will be primarily relieved in a major earthquake. When that earthquake will occur, we're not sure of, but we know that it will occur. Using the knowledge that certain physical changes occur in the Earth before some tremors, scientists have accurately predicted small, localized earthquakes. A tilt meter detects tiny variations in the Earth's level. Slight movements are sometimes a signal that an earthquake will take place. Powerful laser beams measure the movements of Earth along the fault line checking for sudden changes. Much of the San Andreas Fault is highly active. In central California, about 10 earthquakes are recorded every day. The Mojave Desert, just north of Los Angeles. A striking landscape lies on the center of a little understood and controversial geological event. It has come to be known as the Bulge. It is a phenomenon that has preceded some major earthquakes. For 15 years, a vast area along the San Andreas Fault has been forced upward a full 10 inches. It may be a signal of a giant quake to come. We know that a major catastrophic earthquake is inevitable in California, certainly in the Los Angeles area. We know from detailed studies of the Los Angeles area what the effects of this earthquake might be. 
if the earthquake occurs during the day, perhaps 12,000 people will be killed. If it occurs in the middle of the night, maybe only 3,000 people will be killed. But if one dam were to fail, perhaps tens of thousands of people will be killed and hundreds of thousands of people will be homeless. The threat of earthquakes is much too real, but there may be warnings of a giant quake to come. Not a day passes without earthquakes striking somewhere in the world. Often, they are too slight to be felt. Inevitably, however, a giant quake occurs, convulsing with such magnitude, it shakes the entire planet. The port of Valdez, Alaska. It is Good Friday, 1964. The China, the first freighter of the spring, has just come into dock. Standing on deck, two sailors begin taking eight millimeter movies. They film the people and dogs on the dock below. At 5.36 p.m., the earth begins to rumble. The sailors hold on and keep filming. Suddenly, the water in Valdez Harbor begins to drain away. equal to thousands of atomic bombs. Tidal waves sweep Kodiak and Cordoba. A half million square miles feel the effect. Downed power lines explode oil tanks, which blaze uncontrolled. Broken gas mains set houses aflame. In Anchorage, the central business district is all but demolished. Large areas of ground turned liquid during the quake, dropping the streets and buildings as much as 30 feet. The Alaska quake was the largest to strike North America in this century. 114 people were killed. Nearly 5,000 were left homeless. Valdez Harbor was destroyed. Scientists are looking in many directions for new ways to predict violent quakes. Up to 12 billion light years away, like fixed beacons in space, are points of light called quasars. They emit regular bursts of high-frequency radio energy. Radio antennas on opposite sides of the San Andreas Fault receive and measure signals from a quasar. By comparing the arrival times of these signals, minute movements of the Earth's crust can be detected. Subtle changes in the San Andreas Fault now reveal themselves in three dimensions. A sudden variation may be an early signal of a forming earthquake. Unusual animal behavior before earthquakes has been reported for hundreds of years. Zookeepers have noticed monkeys and chimps act strangely just before quakes. 
They stay low to the ground and will not enter their shelters. Many household dogs have also seemed to know that a tremor is coming. They often bark for no reason or wander nervously around a room. On November 27, 1974, horses near Hollister, California became nervous and skittish. The next day, a moderate quake struck the area. A unique experiment is testing the idea that animals can predict earthquakes. The subjects are common cockroaches. A sensitive monitor continually records their level of activity, looking for sudden changes. It seems almost funny that a nervous cockroach may herald a major catastrophe, but it could turn out that the Earth's oldest living inhabitant could tell us something about our planet. At the University of California, scientists create their own earthquakes. Scale models of buildings shake under the impact of an earthquake simulator machine. Hydraulic arms slam a 45-ton concrete block in two directions at once, duplicating the ground motion of the most severe quakes. Information gained from such tests may lead to new building standards and possibly save countless lives. In 1982, a rare and perhaps ominous event will take place in our solar system. For the first time in nearly 200 years, all nine planets will form a straight line on one side of the sun. Two British astronomers believe that this unusual alignment will cause an epidemic of giant earthquakes. Their theory states that the combined gravitational fields of the planets will create an enormous increase in the sun's magnetic activity. Huge storms of sunspots and solar flares will explode into space. Radiation from the turbulent surface of the sun will severely affect the Earth's atmosphere. Phenomena like the northern lights will be greatly intensified. Prevailing patterns of world weather will be radically altered. Changes in high altitude winds will slow the rotation of the Earth. Predictably, the sudden strain will cause swarms of earthquakes along the world's active faults. If this theory holds up, the strained fault line near San Francisco would be highly vulnerable. Ten miles south of San Francisco, hundreds of houses stand on unstable ground directly above the San Andreas Fault. In the last several years, the backyards of numerous homes have eroded away. They've dropped into the fault. A large tremor on this area would have a devastating effect. In San Francisco, the prospect of a major earthquake is frightening and grim. Every morning, as thousands of commuters swell its population, San Francisco becomes a setting for potential disaster. 
that a great quake will jolt this city is to scientists inevitable. Many seismologists believe it is already overdue. Several detailed studies of the city have been made. They project what would happen if a tremor the size of the 1906 quake occurred again. It is a bleak scenario. Suddenly, the earth begins to tremble and sway. In the crowded financial district, high-rise buildings shiver and sway like blades of grass. Inside, people are flung across rooms. Fires break out, elevators jam, walls crack and collapse. Plate glass windows pop out of their frames. Large chunks of broken glass sail through the city's streets. Most of this area stands on unstable landfill. As the earth continues to shake, much of the soil turns to liquid. The street level drops instantly. Earthquake-proofed skyscrapers fall into the void. Along Chinatown's famed Grant Street, the shaking is severe. Built almost entirely of unreinforced brick, it is especially susceptible to tremors. Virtually all of Chinatown collapses in on itself. It becomes a mass graveyard. Loose bricks and balconies are the first to go. Throughout the city, parapets, ornamental sculpture, and facades smash down on the people below. Everywhere, there are exploding fires from ruptured gas mains. Cars on the freeways are tossed about like little toys. Sections of asphalt break away in huge chunks. The elevated highways slither, then fall. The cars below are crushed. The stench of raw sewage mixes with smoke from hundreds of houses that burn uncontrolled. The approaches to the Golden Gate Bridge have collapsed. The ground beneath them has liquefied and run off. The bridge itself whips back and forth like a giant snake. Cars are hurled into the water below. The human toll is enormous. At least 10,000 are dead. 300,000 are injured. Nearly everyone is homeless. This is the projection for a disaster that probably will occur. We just don't know when. Perhaps one day we will predict and control our planet's violent quakes. Until then, we are well advised to look for warnings in any form and heed them if there's time. For over four billion years, earthquakes have shaken and reshaped the Earth's surface. They are a violent expression of our planet's continuing evolution. In California, Along the San Andreas Fault, the frequency of earthquakes is high. Yet an active fault line cuts through New York City at 125th Street between the Hudson and East Rivers. The regions around Boston and Charleston, South Carolina, have as high a seismic risk as Los Angeles or San Francisco. In fact, 
the U.S. Coast and Geodetic Survey has determined that one-third of our nation's population lives in areas of high earthquake probability. Science is challenging the idea that earthquakes are unpredictable. Yet we are still far from truly understanding the powerful forces that are working deep within our planet.